Hello and welcome to Chasing Himalayan Dreams, the podcast. My name is Susan and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Chasing Himalayan Dreams. Have you had dreams you put aside? Do you feel a hiking adventure in the Himalayas is a mountain too far? I believe you can do it if you have a moderate fitness and an inability to let your dreams go. This podcast brings you the book. Every episode is a chapter, like an audiobook. I'm using text-to-speech technology to create every episode. So do start listening and enjoy. Walk. Go out and walk. That is the glory of life. Myra Kalman. It's only a little walk. In the Himalayas. What's the best training for a walk? Walking of course. I live a long way from the Himalayas, I need to train where I am, every day. I wasn't concerned about altitude. After all, I thought, I'd lived in the mountains when I was younger, in Kashmir, Darjeeling and even Ladakh. I forgot that I was older, and Brisbane, Australia isn't the perfect place to train for high-altitude walks. I searched for places and parks with a lot of slopes. My normal walking grounds are the slopes of neighboring Mount Gravatt. A laughable 187 meters. Even Mount Kutha is a paltry 287 meters. We needed more training walks in Australia with steeper gradients but they just weren't available. The Sandak Fu trek strides up and down over long steep relentless stretches. Be prepared to clamber uphill for a grueling 5 to 10 kilometers, or scurry downhill non-stop for 15 kilometers. Trekking poles are vital and can change everything, for the better. I walk for exercise, meditation, communing with nature, and everything else. It's also my only form of exercise. I built up stamina in the daily 8 to 10 kilometers and the 15 to 20 on the weekend. I admit that it was a mistake not to train for walking at Himalayan altitudes. A couple of my friends were training in gyms, and with trainers, but I didn't have the time or inclination, and they were doing Everest Base Camp. Not little old Sundak Fu. If you are going to the Himalayas, exercise to increase your lung capacity or get a trainer. I trained in boots and in trekking clothes as much as possible, some days it was too hot for Himalayan wear, carrying a minimum of 5 kilos every day. I did not carry 5 kilos on the trek, that was for the ponies, but I had a day bag. The day bag was only a couple of kilos at the most. Even that was occasionally too much for me, on the more arduous stretches. Training with a backpack at the least built up endurance. On the trail, we were walking from six to eight hours every day. The altitude slowed me down to a crawl at times, but in training I had walked non-stop for two to three hours every day. I had searched for different terrains, anywhere I could find a steep path. Eight to ten kilometers a day in an undulating forest, turned out to be a bit of a joke, even the first day's hike was a vertiginous eight kilometers that left me questioning my fitness. Despite my doubts, walking every day burnt commitment, resilience and consistency into my psyche. If you can walk for five hours in nearby parks, forests or suburbs, the Sundakfu track is within your reach. Training for the Himalayas is a lifestyle change. Apart from walking, I also trained for health and fitness, to increase physical strength and endurance. I had a health check with my doctor. I had blood and lung tests and got recommendations on how to get into better shape. To walk at high altitudes, it's best to reach your lowest healthy weight without losing muscle mass or strength. But I admit it was a struggle. At 60 it's a challenge to drop the weight, but there were other huge benefits. 
I didn't crave junk food and empty calories and swapped all the simple carbohydrates for protein and fresh vegetables. By cutting out all simple carbohydrates, the sugar highs and lows vanished, boosting stable energy levels throughout the day. Eat to build energy, resilience and immunity. It might not be possible to avoid every germ on your way to the Himalayas, but a robust immune system means that a cold or flu is not going to flatten you. I take high-quality whole food supplements, omega-3 and glucosamine, as well as echinacea. Pampering my body now, means it can serve me better on the adventure. I also shared a lot on social media, including videos, and people commented on how well I was looking, not only dropping weight, but my skin and hair were glowing, they said. Nothing like compliments to keep the motivation up. My support team, at home and on social media, are vital to my success. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. To the people who supported me, your support was priceless. I'd planned to write a book about it, so I built my social media team and my social media presence a long time before the trek. All kinds of things happened on the trek, I couldn't do the planned Facebook lives, I couldn't update my blog as often as I had intended to, but because I had already built a following, I had people waiting for me whenever I managed to get the word out. In one photograph in the book, I'm checking for mobile connectivity at the top of the world, literally above the mountain ranges and clouds. The best health plan for you is the one that you will do, and pick the people who will support you in the long run. Because I needed to train for a long time, I made sure it was something I loved to do. If anything, I overtrained and overprepared, physically, mentally and emotionally and that was good, because all kinds of unpredictable things happened. And it didn't matter. Too much. I hope you enjoyed this chapter of my book. If you liked it, send me a message or let me know. You can find the ebook or print book on Amazon. Also, there's a free book of Himalayan mandalas for you to color in on my website, susanjaganath.com/freebies. Keep listening.